Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And a good Monday morning, Birds 365 fans. We are flocking together for our Monday night affair against the Dallas Cowboys. As you can see to my right, Jeff Kerr will be my co-host today. Fear not, John McMullen will be aboard a little later in the show. J-Mac had to take a big old jet plane down to Dallas to be there for tonight's Cowboys Eagle can. So we got his uh, understudy in the lineup tonight. How much is that going to affect us? We'll shoulder through. How much is this going to affect the Eagles at left tackle? Now, that's a legitimate question that I will ask to Jeff Kerr from CBS Sports, who sits in with me today. Uh, Jeff Kerr, when we wrapped up Birds 365 on Friday, I was feeling pretty good about the Eagles. I certainly liked the Eagles plus three and a half points. And I thought, you know, I think they can actually win this game outright. When the Mylotta news broke on Friday, I broke out in a sweat because I'm not an Andre Dillard fan, haven't been. Uh, the fact that we even had to talk about it on a daily basis here on Birds 365. Who's going to be the left tackle? True competition. Is there really an argument? How much will Ari Roseman bend over to protect this guy? Well, all opinions aside, he's going to be in the lineup tonight. Are you as scared as I am? I'm concerned. Um, I wouldn't say scared, but this wow. is why I draft a guy like this in the first round, Jody. Uh, you know, this is his moment. This is his time. Uh, you know, I don't want to hear about Andre Dillard saying I, I didn't really get a fair shake. Well, yeah, you did. You lost it out to Jordan Mulata. Well, Jordan Mulata is hurt. Now it's time for Andre Dillard, the 2019 first round pick to step up and produce against a pass rush that's going to get after Jalen Hurts. They're going to have their chances at him. I'm not expecting Andre Dillard to be perfect, like how PFF said Jordan Mulata was last week, but I'm expecting him to keep the quarterback upright. I, I think that's a fair thing to ask. Here's where it can get really ugly, and if I'm uh, the bitter pill that you have to swallow today, Eagle fans, I'll apologize, but I'm giving you my actual feelings and uh, takes on this. He might not only hurt the Eagles' chances to win. It, here's the reason why I actually reached the level of scared. He could get the quarterback hurt tonight. I, I think he's that bad. And, yeah, I know Demarcus Lawrence isn't playing for the Cowboys. Both teams are dealing with pretty massive injuries, as a matter of fact. It's not just we know uh, Jordan Mylotta for the Eagles. They lose both of the Brandons, too, which I want to get your take on plenty of that as well. Um you're talking about the blind side of Jalen Hurts, who uh, had an okay game last week, but is probably feeling the pressure to do a little bit more this week, may want to hang in the pocket a little bit longer. And Micah Parsons has absolutely wowed people with, number one, his flexibility to come in from linebacker and play defensive end. Eight pressures last week against the Chargers. Eight pressures against the Chargers? Now I get it. Pressures are subjective. Sacks are sacks. You know what a sack is. When a play's over and done with, you know if a guy got a sack or not. Hits are a little subjective, but at least, you know, there's got to be contact there. Pressures are in the eye of the beholder. 
And eight seemed like a large number for me. I didn't watch every snap of that game, but I watched I watched plenty of it last week. Um, he got one uh, kind of faux sack late in the game where he got to Justin Herbert, made him throw the ball away, but uh, it was an incomplete pass, and they gave him a sack for it, which I uh, just thought was woefully incorrectly uh, officiated. But the guy did wreak havoc in the San Diego backfield today, uh, and the Dallas backfield last week in Los Angeles. I expect him to be lined up against uh, Mr. Dillard all night long, and that scares me for the health of Jalen Hurts. Well, that's what you would think, right? And you got to give Dan Quinn a lot of credit here. He put Micah Parsons on Storm Norton uh, last week, the Chargers backup right tackle, because uh, Brian Blog is out. And he took advantage of that. And so I totally expect Micah Parsons to be on Andre Dillard. I, I totally expect it because he's not going to do this off Lane Johnson. He's just not. He's a really good player. He's probably going to, I mean, at least in my opinion, he's going to be one of the best linebackers in football uh, sooner rather than later. But Tonight, he's going to be a defensive end. And this is where the Eagles really got to take advantage of the week one game plan, the bubble screens, the quick passes. Make sure this guy does not get killed and make sure Micah Parsons does not beat you. Let Leighton Van Der Esch and Jalen Smith over-pursue because that's what they do. They over-pursue. That, this is what the Dallas Cowboys defense biggest weakness is. And people figured it out with Washington over the first three weeks. And they'll figure it out with Dallas. You just have to get the passes off quick. You cannot let Andre Dillard stand there on an island with Micah Parsons. It's just like Micah Parsons uh, put Jalen Hurts on his hit list by, by his words. So I'm looking at it as just find ways to take Micah Parsons out of the football game, especially if he's playing defensive end. And here's where it might actually be doable. Uh, I don't love the Cowboys cornerbacks. I don't know that if you put them on that island and do the bubble screen slash really quick slants and make the Cowboys play uh, solo on the corners, man to man, I don't know that they're up for the test. I think Devontae Smith could catch a lot of balls that way. I think you might get Rager involved and get the ball in his hands really quick tonight and let him make some plays. So we know Quez is real good on the bubble screens. It can be and should be an effective part of their game. Because uh, th that's how you thwart a defense that you think is going to be quick and over-pursuing. Will Nick Sirianni worry about the fact that everybody like Jeff Kerr and Jordan McDonald, John McMahon are going to come on and beat to death again? This Well, why don't they throw the mid-range game? Why don't they have any intermediate routes? There's absolutely nothing over the middle. Everything's on the outside, on the outskirts. Well, it kind of has to be tonight, doesn't it? Yeah, you would think. Like, I don't want to hear Jalen Hurts can't throw the ball over the middle of the field because that's not what you want Jalen Hurts to do tonight. If he's throwing the ball over the middle of the field, it's probably going to get picked off because that's one thing Dallas is strong at. It's slot cornerback, and they do have pretty solid pass coverage linebackers. But this is where I feel you got to get the short passes going. You just got to keep moving the chains, methodically move the chains, and you got to get the ball to Miles Sanders. I talked to Brian Westbrook. Last week, he said, there's no reason Miles Sanders can't get 20, 25 touches a game. There just isn't. And the Eagles just don't do it. And they got to find ways to get Miles Sanders and Kenny Gainwell involved in this offense. They got to keep this Dallas defense on the field and keep this Dallas offense off the field. Because I know the Eagles defense is a good through two games, Jody, but this Dallas offense can humble you really quick. I know that uh, yours truly doesn't get a chance to examine the players. I'm talking physically, 
Uh, and if I did, I'm no doctor anyway, so it wouldn't do all have a lot of good. So uh, the next guy I want to mention that's out of the Eagle lineup, I guess shouldn't be a surprise, but it is a little bit of a surprise to me, and that's Rodney McLeod. Um, he was supposed to be back right near the start of the season, an outside possibility could play week one and then was going to be week to week. Well, I was hoping it was only going to be week one. And I was hoping, all right, to be back for week two. And now we're into week three, and he's already been judged out for tonight's game. Um, Johnny Mack gave me a hard time because I keep saying this. The Eagles could have fudged it and got him on to short-term IR, so they could have saved the roster space for these first three games. And you can't do that. It's got to be six games if it's a pre-existing injury from the year before. They could have fudged that. They, they could Shocking. People would lie about injuries in the National Football League. They do it all the time, and the Eagles could have as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, if he's not back again by next week, they will have misjudged this thing. And I know it's an imperfect science, and Eagles doctors uh, have their uh, capabilities and can figure out a uh, best guess as to when a guy's going to be back. This is a loss tonight, Jeff, because Brandon Graham also out of the lineup significant leader on the Philadelphia Eagle defense. Rodney McLeod is a guy who is, is also well-respected and can be a leader and can be a signal caller on that side of the D. If the Eagles need somebody to rally the troops in game, in the huddle, who's the most likely guy to do it tonight? It would have to be Fletcher Cox or Darius Slay, right? I mean, Darius Slay's a veteran. He's been in the league since 2013. Fletcher Cox has been on this team since 2012, I know Fletcher Cox doesn't remind you of like that rah rah guy like BG is, but he is a leader on this team. You know, he's more like a silent assassin, if you will. And you know, he he does have a presence in that locker room, but he has to step up in that role that Brandon Graham had. He has to be like, look, you know, you know, just because the hammer dealt isn't good, we still have to go out there and we have to get after the quarterback. And this is where I think the defensive tackles are going to make a difference in this game. Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, Hassan Ridgeway. Zach Martin is a huge presence in this Dallas lineup, but the interior of Dallas's offensive line isn't as good as it once was. And they do allow Dak Prescott to basically get flushed out of the pocket and get hit. So this is where I feel Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave need to step up and say, hey, look, we're taking over the reins of this team right now. We know we got BG on the sidelines leading us, but he's not on the field. This is our this is our team now. This is what we're going to have to do. And Darius Slay's going to have to what he's been doing, taking command of the secondary. It's just, the veterans just got to be veterans on this team. I mean, it, that is one good thing about the Eagles having a bunch of guys that are over thirty on this team. It does pay dividends when you lose the heart and soul of the team, like Brandon Graham. We want to focus, of course, on all Eagles players, but anytime you come into a matchup, you got to be fair. You got to look at both sides. And we've already talked a little bit about Jalen Hurts. We'll talk about him that much more. I got to give Dak Prescott the nod. I had no idea what kind of Dak Prescott was coming back to be the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys this year, the big injury that he suffered last year. Uh, watched all the hard knock shows, immediately goes down with impingement in his arm. I said, this should be really good for the Eagles because there's no way Dak Prescott, despite the new contract, is returning, looking like a $35 million a year quarterback. He really has the first couple of games. Even though their running game does seem to sit in a question position, 
Zeke Elliott hadn't gotten off to a good start. Tony Pollard was very good last week. Um, they're down one of their key receivers with Michael Gallup. It hasn't stopped Dak Prescott from making big plays and throwing down the ball down the field. That's going to be a big-time challenge for the Eagles cornerbacks tonight with Dak against uh, Lamb and Cooper. Yeah, it, it really is. And this is what concerns me about Dak Prescott, Jody. You know, for the first two years of his career, I kind of looked at him as, okay, he's a really good game manager who – Ezekiel Elliott, you know, that team's Ezekiel Elliott. He only has to throw the ball 20, 25 times a game, all bit pretty well. No, he's the heart and soul of that offense right now. And he's got an arm. He can beat them downfield. I, I think Dallas proved once they got Amari Cooper in 2018, Dak Prescott was a, a really good quarterback. He just needed more weapons. And he got him in Amari Cooper. And uh, honestly, though, C.D. Lamb is the guy I'm worried about on this team. I, I have a feeling – C.D. Lamb, not that he's going to go against Darius Slay, but Steve Nelson could be in for a long night tonight. It's just C.D. Lamb catches everything. He would have been the rookie where we would have all talked about last year if not for Justin Jefferson's historic rookie year. C.D. Lamb, he can catch a short pass. He can beat you deep. He's a really good route runner. He's great after the catch. He's the guy I'm worried about in this offense. He's the guy I feel that – if anybody goes for 10 and 170 and two touchdowns tonight, it's going to be C.D. Lamb. And that's not their only weapon, though. They have Blake Jarwin. They have Dalton Schultz. You know, uh, obviously, um, uh, Cedric Wilson's a, a really good player, too, in the slot. Uh, them not having Michael Gallup hurts. But between C.D. Lamb, Mark Cooper, all, all the guys I mentioned, you also have to worry about Tony Pollard catching passes out of the backfield, too. I, I mean, this is a team that – they just beat you in so many ways. This is why a lot of people think that they are the favorites to win the NFC East. Mm, yeah, well, here's one thing we'll say, yeah, and I'll give you the same pass that I'm going to take here. Ask me after tonight's game who's the favorite to win the NFC East. Not only by the standings is it going to be the team that wins. They'll be the only two-and-one team in the division, but uh, I'm hoping that we get a uh, game that isn't marred by question marks and uh, officials' calls and bad bounces and the like. Hope it's decided and the better team wins tonight. And then that will tell us, as of three weeks in, who is the uh, favorite to win this division. Uh, speaking of which, the Cowboys at home tonight. I saw a lot of really questionable calls in the NFL yesterday. I was glued to my TV. I was on CBS Sports Radio uh, last night uh, leading into the Sunday night game. There was some, and I, I try and defend the NFL referees and almost every single turn, because it's uh, a really difficult job and uh, people get so passionate about it because they bet on it. Uh, I try and defend the referees, but they missed some calls yesterday. And most of the times when they miss calls, it seemed to me like the hometown team was getting the calls. How big an advantage for the Cowboys because this game's down in the uh, palace built in Dallas by Jerry. Well, it's been this way for how long now, Jody? It, you know, it just seems like every time there's a Cowboys game, in Jerry World or in Texas Stadium, there always seems to be that controversial call that goes in their favor. And I'm not saying that's why the Eagles lose games, but I'll tell you what, I made a lot of money over the years just based on the content aspect of it, you know, writing about a fumble kickoff that wasn't a fumble or, you know, whatever goes on. You know, there's always going to be that call. And I feel it's like this in every game now, but it always seems to be exemplified in Jerry world in front of the primetime audience. It's the only game on this is why I'll be watching the Mannings tonight. I'll, I'll be curious to hear what they think of a bad call if they're paying attention at the time. 
So, yeah, I, I think there's going to be one where we're just going to be yelling at the TV or yelling at the officials. Definitely Eagles fans will be. It seems like, you know, Dallas will get away with something. But overall, it, it's been like this around the league. I'm still not over the whole. And look, you got to give Justin Tucker credit for making a 66-yard field goal. But the fact that they did not call delay of game on Lamar Jackson when the play clock just didn't hit zero. It hit one Mississippi, two Mississippi. And then, you know, Dan Campbell's absolutely right. I'm going to get an apology for the league, but what good does that do? You know, I'm glad there's a coach that actually calls it like he sees it because he was a former player. He gets it. But it's like this every single game, Jerry. You know, I watched eight games yesterday. There was a controversial call on every single one of them. The Kansas City Chiefs arguably lost the game on a pass interference call that probably shouldn't have been called on the fourth and nine. And then Tyree Kill gets hugged on the Hail Mary play at the end of the game. They're never going to call it, but something like that should be called if it's a pass play. But I digress. It's going to happen. I just brace myself for it, and I'm just going to laugh because I kind of hope they show Jerry Jones kind of smirking and smiling, knowing that he may have had something to do with it. The one that uh, for me was maybe the most egregious, and I know it's a judgment call, but it was so blatantly obvious. How how bad does your judgment have to be? Uh, the fourth quarter, the Sunday night game, um, Devontae Adams was just laid out by a helmet-to-helmet hit that was so blatant and so obvious, and I believe that he was really hurt. Because My question is because he got back up and made two catches in the final drive of the game that got the Packers into the field goal winning position that they got. But prior to that, he had been laid out by a blatant helmet-to-helmet hit, and the referee's flag is still in their pocket how do you miss something like that when that is a trending topic in the national football league has been for the last several years defenseless receiver they throw that flag anytime they get the chance and they don't do it against the best wide receiver in the national football league how do you miss something like that yeah i i don't get that and jimmy ward intently meant to hit him and i, I always said this you really want to get rid of this you know defenseless receiver stuff or you know the helmet the helmet hits Here's an ultimate penalty for you. You get the flag thrown, 15 yards, fine. As long as that player that you injured or whatever is out of the game, that's how long you're out of the game. So yeah. if Devontae Adams, I mean, it'll never happen, but say Devontae Adams had to miss the rest of the game, and Jimmy Ward's out the rest of the game, point blank, period. And, you know, but unfortunately that's never going to happen. But I'm amazed he came back in after one play. I'm like, well, I'm ready to write up the Devontae Adams injury story and Nah, he came back and made, like, as you said, Jerry, made the, the two biggest catches of the night for Aaron Rodgers. I don't even think they were set plays. It's just, okay, run the route and get open, play backyard football, and we'll we'll figure this out, and we'll go win the game. And But, yeah, this is happening way too much around the league, and I have a feeling that if it's not going to get called Sunday night, will it get called Monday night? Knowing the NFL and their week-to-week officiating, highly doubt it. All right, we've talked plenty about replacing uh... – Mr. Mylotta at the left tackle position with uh, their former first round pick, Andre Dillard. Jeff's a little bit more optimistic than neither one of us are really optimistic. Jeff's a little more optimistic than me. I think it could be the difference in the game. Sorry to say, but they got other replacing to do. I know we talked about it all last week, but now they actually have to do it. Now that Monday night has arrived, they got to take care of the couple of Brandons as well. Mr. Graham and Mr. Brooks, not going to be easy along that line. We're going to hope to get a uh, Brandon opinion up here next. That would be BLG, which I did not know. That. Did you know this, Jeff Kerr, that Brandon Graham's middle name is Lee? 
Yeah, I thought they both were a BLG. It's they a, are. Well, and and they, they both have the same exact middle name. It's Lee. I didn't know he had two Brandon Lees in town, last name starting with G. Yeah, that Graham guy gets a little bit more pub than our guy. Uh, but Brandon Lee Gout in a Bleeding Green Nation. Scheduled to join us next. Plenty yet to talk about. It is a Monday night Dallas Cowboy Philadelphia Eagle showdown show here on Burge 365. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. But that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. We are Birch 365. Not the Mega Mac guys. Hello, that other Mac guy, Johnny Mac, scheduled to join us. Hour number two, he flew down to Dallas last night. So he will be in the house in Jerry's Palace in Dallas before the Eagles and the Cowboys tonight. Jeff Kurt sitting in, in his stead, uh, hoping to connect with Brendan Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation. He's supposed to jump aboard with us here in hour number one, Johnny Mac in hour number two. But we are that many more hours away from kickoff yet. And Jeff Kerr, do you watch any... Uh, uh, now I'm uh, the Red Zone channel on Sundays. So I have Red Zone on 
in the background. It's not like I'm, I'm usually watching the game with like the current announcers because I have Sunday ticket. I did the Chiefs Chargers yesterday. So when Justin Tucker and all the crazy stuff was happening around the league, I'm so focused in on Chiefs Chargers. But then I look up, I'm like, wait, Justin Tucker just did what? And then, you know, that's when I start paying attention to the red zone. But yeah, I usually have it on in the background. Gotcha. Um, and I think the guy in red zone does a phenomenal job jumping around from game to game to game to game to game. If you are specifically watching one game because you got a report on it, I understand that. I'm not doing that on Sunday. I got to come out and talk about the entire league. So I like the wide vision expanse that the red zone gives you. Uh, the guy who does it as usually kicks in somewhere around 3.30, 3.45, it the bewitching hour where wins become losses and losses become wins. And it's actually pretty cool, the graphics that they have with it. It's well done. This is the bewitching hour for me. Monday Night Football, the team you are most uh, entrenched with, isn't playing for another 12 hours, just about, right about now. We're still 12 hours out. Uh, during the week, you don't even realize it. You know, all right, well, I'm going to talk about it on Monday on the air again because we're not playing until Monday night. So, yeah, it's a little bit different of a feel. But then you get to football Sunday, and you get entrenched in everything that's going on in the National Football League. So it kind of gets pushed to the back burner that your team isn't playing but then Sunday's over and done with, and you still have to wait 24 more hours before you get your team that you're rooting for. We're going to be witching hour right now, Jeff Kerr. Yeah, we are. And it's a shame that Monday Night Football isn't what it used to be. I mean, ESPN's trying whatever they can to get it back, but it doesn't have that mystique anymore, you know, that the late nine or, you know, that the 80s, 90s, early 2000s have when it was on ABC where you you were just so pumped up for the Monday night game. I, I mean, I still am, but it's it just doesn't have the same feel anymore. Now, it's as a football fan, I, I get more excited for the Sunday 1 o'clock games and the big 425 games than anything else. And then by Sunday night football, I'm kind of wrapping up the day while watching the Sunday night football game. It's, you know, it's, I, I guess it's just, you know, how, how things have gone right now. But, yeah, it's it was really weird not – it felt like the Eagles were on a bye week, honestly, when they're on Monday Night Football. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm waiting for the Eagles to come on. Oh, wait, they're not on at one. They don't have a national game. Oh, yeah, that's right. They play Monday night. It, it was hard to get jacked up for really – I mean, I was excited to do Chiefs Chargers yesterday. But after that, I'm just like, oh, I'm waiting for the Eagles to come on. Oh, wait, yeah. So the next couple of weeks, show you though, we, we do get a couple of 1 o'clock games. So that'll be nice. And one of them is against the aforementioned Chiefs that you just brought up the game that you were zeroed in on yesterday. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised that the Kansas City Chiefs are one and two. Um, Chargers played well yesterday. Justin Herbert, I'll make a point about him in a second, uh, had a really good game. Their young coach showed a lot of nerve going for it in the fourth quarter the way that he did. So I want to give credit where credit is due. But the Chiefs turned the ball over four times yesterday. Two fumbles, two picks by Patrick Mahomes. Uh, I'm not sure if that's the reason that Andy Reid was sick after the game and had to be rushed to the hospital. Latest report I've seen, by the way, on uh, the NFL Network early this morning that was Andy was resting comfort comfortably, and he did make it sound like he was uh, taken to the hospital via ambulance after the game due to an, uh, an overabundance of precaution that they didn't want to take any chances that uh, Andy wasn't really that bad. I, again, these are uh, 
kind of speculatory reports. There, there has been no definitive statement on Randy Reed other than um, he was resting comfortably at the hospital afterwards. And he's probably a little uh, perturbed by the way that the Kansas City Chiefs have played. And they've been to the Super Bowl two straight years, and they're my choice to go to the Super Bowl again. It's surely not looking like a Super Bowl team through the first three weeks of the season, Jeff Kerr. Not at all. And, you know, Jody, here's one. They lost the game in Baltimore because of turnover. First three possessions, they got inside the Chargers' 40-yard line. They turned the football over each time. The first Patrick Holmes interception should have been an interception. Marcus Kent should have caught that no-look pass and should have ran into the end zone. That's probably the difference in the game there. The Clyde Edwards Lair fumble, unacceptable. Tyreek Hill fumble, unacceptable. I felt like I was watching a 2011 Eagles here where they just moved the ball down the field, but they don't score any points. And that's why they lost. I mean, they let the Chargers hang around up 14 nothing, and I knew that she should come back. They always come back. It's just could they finish the job. Well, no, they couldn't because, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes had an ill-advised pass. It just seems like right now they're getting over what they have to get over early on in this season. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a, an Andy Reid thing because I remember his really good teams at the Eagles sometimes have slow starts, but they always turn it up a notch, you know, usually by week four, week five, maybe even a little later, but they always seem to get things going. This is what I worry about, Jody. This is why I think the Eagles have to win tonight because I don't like their prospects next week against the Chiefs. I have this feeling that Andy Reid is going to stick it to the city and the organization that fired him. I don't even know if they even recognize him as a head coach anymore, to be honest with you. And Patrick Mahomes is going to light up this defense. And I was kind of hoping the Chiefs would win a close one yesterday just so the Eagles could get him off track. I don't think that's going to happen this week. Yeah, I, I saw the same exact thing happening, only I saw it happening yesterday. Chiefs were one of my picks, and I thought they would win by double-digit points. Uh, they had the letdown last week. I thought a team that talented would immediately turn it around. Not even. Did not get a win at home against the Chargers, and they find themselves at 1-2 and two in last place in that division. Yeah, that's not good news for the Eagles uh, coming next week. But, uh, again, don't want to get past this week's game, and that's Monday Nighter against Dallas tonight. Uh, here's a guy we haven't touched on through the first uh, 29 minutes of the show. That's head coach Nick Sirianni. Uh, two games into his NFL head coaching career, his most important duty, at least as per uh, yours truly's evaluation, is play calling. I know this is a big job to be a head coach in the NFL. You've got to oversee everything with the coaching staff and motivate the players and all those things. But when you are the guy calling the plays, I see that as the biggest responsibility you have. Week one, looked like a genius. Looked like a guy who had been doing it for 10 years in the league, pushing all the right buttons, getting all the right decisions made, uh, and picking apart the Atlanta Falcon defense. Last week, not so much. Specifically in the red zone with his calls down by the goal line. A lot of people, including yours truly, questioned him mightily. So we had the really good Nick Sirianni and the really questionable Nick Sirianni. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it lands somewhere in the middle tonight, Jeff Carr. But chances are it's not going to be dead in the middle. It'll be a little closer to either the play caller we saw week one or the play caller we saw week two. Which way do you lean for Nick Sirianni's play calling tonight? I have a feeling it'll be week one. But this is what I worry about the week two thing. Don't get too enthralled in what your initial game plan is. Last week, the game plan was clearly, let's not throw the ball in the middle of the field. Let's go down the sideline and throw deep balls all day and hope it works. Well, 
it didn't work. So you got to abandon that. You got to go something else. You got to have a backup plan. And I think that's what Nick Sirianni meant by, you know, I, I spend a lot of, I guess, sleepless nights. I mean, he's a head coach in the NFL. He's going to have a lot of sleepless nights. But pretty much, okay, I'm a little concerned about where I go if plan A doesn't work. And I think that's what he's going to have prepared this week. Say whatever, the bubble screens don't work. Maybe I go to the running game. Maybe I, you know, do try the passes across the middle. Maybe I run the quarterback a little more. And, again, for people worried about Jalen Hurts running the football as much as he does, don't. You know, th- this is what quarterbacks do in the NFL. It's just Lamar Jackson. I mean, even Patrick Mahomes had, like, 40 rushing yards yesterday. So I'm looking at it as, okay, wh- where do I improvise? How do I improve as a play caller? How do I adjust as a play caller? That's what I kind of want to see out Nick Sirianni tonight. If the game plan does not work all the time, what do I do going forward? I, I think that's next in the maturation of Nick Sariani. Agreed on basically all fronts on all the points you just made. And here's one thing I want to see out of Sirianni tonight, because if you just match up these two rosters before the game goes tonight, um, Dallas has got injury problems themselves on their defensive line. We, of course, zero in on the Eagles issues as far as injuries go. Cowboys got injuries themselves, DeMarcus Lawrence being the biggest of which, but uh, a, a goodly number of defensive line players are out for them. They're making the flop to Michael Parsons being part of their defensive line, and damn if he didn't look really good doing it last week. Uh, but there's no depth on that Dallas defensive line right now, and uh, we, we don't give enough uh, uh, attention to that before the game starts. Tonight's game may need to be a little bit more of a high-scoring game than you would usually think. That may be the way that it plays itself out. And if it does, then so be it. Nick Sirianni's got to play to that. I think you said that just a couple of minutes ago. He's got to be flexible in his play calling because I did not think this was going to be a shootout game uh, leading up to tonight. I now think it might be because of the defensive shortcomings on both of these teams' defensive lines. Uh, I think it may be a game that's played in the 30s, and if Coach Sirianni has to do the play calling to uh, get that done, so be it. All right, uh, do I see Brandon Lee Gowton's smiling face with us? He's good enough to hop on board with us now for a couple minutes. Uh, thanks for getting up, BLG. Sorry about that. <laughs> that's okay. I like to bust your chops. Um, uh, BLG, uh, you and I text over the weekend, didn't get into detail about how much Jordan Mailata being out of the Eagle lineup hurts them coming into tonight's game, got hurt in practice last Thursday. How much faith do you have in Andre Dillard stepping in that he will be able to keep the Eagles quarterback from getting killed? I don't have a lot of faith. Uh, I mean, you look at what we've seen from Andre Dillard early on, and you know, I'm going back a couple of years here, but in his rookie season, he did not play very well. He actually allowed the highest pressure rate of any offensive tackle in 2019. That's with the highest blown block rate. Uh, and then in the two summers I've seen him since in training camp, he hasn't looked good. He's really struggled. Uh, I did a poll with you know Jimmy Kemsky here from PhillyVoice.com uh, of our best and worst players at training camp each day. And Andre Dillard at the end of the training camp came out as the very worst player. I think he really struggled. He he gets beat in a way that I have not seen players really get beat before in a practice where like they just get thrown to the ground. Like maybe like a UDFA body camp body is getting pushed around like that, if anything. But I, I just don't see it. And I know people are like, oh well, he looked good against the Jets in the final preseason game. I mean, those are the Jets' third stringers. I mean, he should be looking good against them. And it's a small sample size, so I don't feel amazing about Dillard. The the point of optimism that 
the Eagles are probably going to give him extra help, and the Cowboys don't have the most uh, full defensive line right now. They're kind of depleted there. We expect Michael Parsons to be on Andre Dillard all night, right? I mean, I would, yeah, I would throw everything. I mean, I, if I'm the Cowboys, I would throw everything at Andre Dillard. Like, that's the game plan: is to attack him repeatedly over and over until he proves that he can hold up there. Yeah, I mean, and Parsons, yeah, had an impressive debut last week. I think he had something like seven pressures, uh, despite moving from linebacker to edge rusher and not having a lot of time to do that. So, yeah, absolutely. Now uh, we thought uh, again prior to uh, my lotta's injury on Friday that our biggest concern on the offensive line was going to be Landon Dickerson filling in for Brandon Brooks, uh, at least as per pro football focus is grading. He had a really tough debut, a lot of uh, misprotections and Jalen Hurts was either getting hit or running for his life in the background. He should be better for week two, just because he's got this full week of practice. His first full week of practice as a starter, right? BLG. Yeah, I mean, I think that's significant. Having that full week to prepare, not having to be thrown into the fire, your first NFL game after only practicing for one week fully. Now, at the same time here, you know, he's a rookie. There's going to be some growing pains. And he's also a guy coming off a December 2020 ACL injury. So I kind of wonder, you know, where he is health-wise in terms of getting back and, and conditioning and all that. So, you know, I don't expect a flawless performance by any means, but I do think it's reasonable for him to look significantly better than he did coming in against the 49ers last week. I was talking to Brian Westbrook last week, BLG, and he was saying, Miles Sanders, there's no reason he should not get 20 to 25 touches a game. He's that special of a player. How come the Eagles aren't actually doing that with him? I think part of it is just the role. You know, when you look at like week one, for example, and you see Kenny Gainwell in there, the Eagles trusting him as their, you know, two minute back. I mean, that's that's part of it. Like when you're not able to really thrive in the passing game, like Miles Sanders wasn't able to, admittedly so, in twenty twenty, and then didn't have the best training camp in that regard in terms of catching the ball. I mean, that's gonna limit your playing time and your role overall. So I think Miles Sanders kind of needs to continue to demonstrate he can actually, you know, catch the ball and be effective in that area and obviously excel in pass protection to which uh, his credit, he did. He had a really good block in the Atlanta game that led to a Jalen Hurts uh, touchdown or big play, I believe. So, um, you know, he's going to have to do that to really get to that 20 kind of carry. And even then, I don't know that this regime, this organization really wants to have their running backs do that. I don't think that's like a, an MO that they really believe in in terms of riding one running back that heavily. Well, I hope that that's not the case. If the guy deserves to get the ball 25 times a game, he should get it 25 times a game. They shouldn't let M.O. decide who gets how many touches. The only thing that should decide that is what gives you the best chance to win on any given week. Uh, Let me get your take on this because Jeff and I just discussed it before you came on. If you're looking at the strengths and weaknesses of each team dealing with injuries and like coming into tonight's game, it seems to point to the Eagles – uh, game plan being, let's get the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands real quick. Let's get those bubble screens. Let's get those quick slants. Let's work the outside of the field, which, oh, by the way, Nick Sirianni took a lot of criticism for this week because they never went anywhere near the middle of the field. But it's probably the smart way to go again this week against the Cowboys with where these two teams are at. Agree or disagree? 
I agree from a standpoint of I was talking to, you know, some Cowboys fans and their biggest concern is their quarterback position. So it's another week to attack this team through the year. Now, I think the Eagles got a little too aggressive in terms of attacking the 49ers last week. It was kind of like all or nothing. You know, they, you saw that week one performance where you're talking about getting the ball out of Jalen Hurts' hands quick there, Jody. I mean, we saw that again against Atlanta, but then it kind of went the opposite way against San Francisco where the Eagles are just airing it out a lot, and that's nice to see, and it's fun to see, but I think it was a little too aggressive overall. I mean, you don't want to be ending the week, I think, one week, the least and in- least average intended air yards like Hurts had after week one to the most after week two. I think that's just kind of, uh, I think there's some happy medium to be found there, and I think you can kind of do that against the Cowboys. I would definitely look to pass against this team. I mean, you have to pick your spots when you're when you're getting deep and you have to actually hit them because it's a big deal <laughs> like leaving those plays on the field against the 49ers but uh but yeah I'd absolutely look to attack this secondary it's vulnerable it's also time like you said to get the tight ends involved I mean Dallas Goddard uh hasn't been involved enough Zach Hurts only has 40 yards through two games and that's that's not good enough so it's time to work the middle of the field uh it's time for Jalen Hurts to step up in a big game speaking of Jalen Hurts he has 144 rushing yards for two games. Are you concerned that he's running too much? I think there is some of that. I wouldn't say like all of that is from there or most of that's necessarily from there, but I think there is some deficiency with the arm in terms of, and, and that's being like, it's compensating with his legs. I think in general, more often than not, he's done a good job of picking his spots and, and knowing when to run and not taking off too soon. But I, I just, you know, you don't always want to see the quarterback rely on that as a crutch because honestly, I think the defense is okay with that. Like I think the 49ers to an extent were okay with him running like he was, as long as it wasn't going to beat him over the top with the big play. So uh, I think you, there's, you know, it's kind of a fine line. There's risk reward there. Um, I would like to see him, you know, hit those big plays. I mean, that's the big thing for me coming out of the 49ers game. You can't leave those on the field. You have to hit Devonte when he's deep down the field. You can't underthrow him. And a key would be if he does go deep down the sideline, uh, to the wide receivers, please don't step out of bounds because I can take points off the board. Uh, I said this uh, way back last Monday, BLG, um, or maybe it was Tuesday because someone, no, it was Monday because someone questioned it on my CBS show on Sunday night. Um, Jalen Hurts running too much. I went back and broke down his nine runs. I was okay with him running every single one of them. There mm-hmm. wasn't one player where I said, Damn, he didn't even give the route a chance that he just pulled it back down and took off. No, he looked every single time. It wasn't there. He turned it upfield. He made a big play. Uh, That's just good football. If you have a quarterback that could do that, I want him to do that. I leave it up to the rest. And now you and I aren't watching coaching tapes, so we Mm -hmm. don't see the guy who is wide open and maybe the third progression that he could have gone to. But it seemed to me, just judging off television, that he didn't rush anything to get out of the pocket and turn the ball upfield and make the plays with his legs. I thought they were all uh, well, well decided and good football IQ plays by the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, I think again he hasn't really been breaking the pocket too early. He did that like a, a time or two against Atlanta, you know, here and there maybe, um, but. At the end of the day, too, you look at the numbers in terms of him holding onto the ball. He does do that. And I think that kind of manifests himself sometimes in the running where, like, you're saying there, you know, Jody, he's not seeing anything, so then he's running. But, I mean, sometimes I feel like he has to throw it. He has to see it. He has to throw with anticipation a little bit more. At least that was one of my criticisms about him coming out of training camp was he was just kind of holding onto the ball a little bit too long. And you're not always going to have someone open. Sometimes you have to throw people open. And, and look, you know, he had a really nice tight window throw down to Dallas Goddard uh, for the Eagles first 
first and only touchdown against the 49ers last week. So it's not something he can't do. But when we're talking about him needing to throw over the middle of the field and be a little bit more aggressive in that regard, I mean, that's something we just definitely need to see. Jalen Rager is a player that I think he's a little better than he was last year. And I ain't saying much, but I, I know mm. you got hammered for the step ballot bounce, which I thought was really fair criticism of him. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rager through two games? Yeah, I mean, I, I just I never bought into Jalen Mager had this amazing training camp and he totally turned the corner just because he made a one-handed catch in one-on-ones. He actually made two hand, one-handed catches. were really nice and kind of shows his talent, but it doesn't mean he's a good football player. And I really think that with Jalen Rager, we're kind of experiencing a similar kind of frustration level to Nelson Aguilar. And there's part of that is like, you know, this guy has talent, so he should be performing better and you should see more consistency. But I feel like Rager with Aguilar, you're never going to get that clean performance where it's just like, all right, he's having a good day and nothing is wrong by like, for example, like Quez Watkins last week, you know, really good catch for the 91 yarder. And then he had the other like what, 27 or 26 yarder or so. Um, And then that's a great day for him. And with Jalen Rager, it's never that simple. There's always going to be this other shoe to drop, I feel like. He's, he's always going to frustrate. And I think that's his reputation right now until he proves otherwise. It's really frustrating. I think he's playing too much, honestly. Yeah, because Watkins only played 50% of the Eagles snaps last week. That's not high enough for me. I think he's the second best receiver on the team, not Jalen Rager. So I'd like to see Jalen Rager's playing time decrease a little bit, or at the very least, because Watkins go up. BLG, we'd all love to just be able to figure out how you replace Brandon Graham. Plug something in, and then everything else stays the same. That's just not the way it's going to happen. It's going to be a combination of factors that the defensive coordinator is going to have to come up with. Um, Williams going outside a little bit, flip-flopping your two left defensive ends, one over to the right, uh, somebody getting extra snaps. Uh, Give us the best guess speculation, knowing full well The next week may be completely different, that they might go at it differently. But heading into the game tonight against the Cowboys, who's going to get most of Brandon Graham's uh, snaps at defensive end? Yeah, I don't think they're going to like really super deepen the rotation. Like, I don't think you're going to see, you know, Teron Jackson suddenly take on like a much, much bigger role because he's kind of struggled. For example, I think it's kind of just putting more on the plate of the top three guys in terms of Derek Barnett and Josh Sweat and Ryan Kerrigan. And then, you know, maybe you throw Milton Williams out there a little bit more too. Um, I think it's kind of, those are the top four now, but when it comes to like replacing Brandon Graham, I think, you know, there has been a lot of talk and rightfully so who's going to play like defensive end in his spot. But when it comes to like players stepping up to me, no one needs to step up more than Fletcher Cox. And I know they don't play the same position, but like when Brandon Graham goes down and he's not, he's, he's a leader, not only on the field, but off of it as well. Like it's, like Fletcher Cox is the highest cap hit on the team, and he has one sack and one quarterback hit in the Eagles' last six games. Now, you know, obviously he draws extra attention, double teams and all that, but you got to produce. If you're getting paid elite money, you have to produce, and I think Cox needs to really step up here, and starting with tonight, having a big kind of monster game, and I think that's how you're going to replace some of Brandon Graham's uh, his lost impact there is Fletcher Cox really stepping up. This isn't a game we're going to be writing about tomorrow where C.D. Lamb or Amari Cooper's on – you know, Darius Slay and Steven Nelson were defending Darius Slay for allowing nine catches for 140 yards again, is it? I mean, it shouldn't be. I mean, you're, you're, again, you're paying di- kind of what I was saying about there with Fletcher Cox. You're 
the Eagles are paying Darius Slay like elite cornerback money. Like having a good game isn't really good enough. Like you're paying this guy to be a shutdown corner. Honestly, you know, for a guy who's nicknamed Big Play Slay, he has one interception with the Eagles. Obviously, came in Week 16 last year against the Cowboys. It'd be a nice time for him to have another one of those or two. Uh, it's nice to keep the other wide receivers quiet. I get that, but you also need to turn the ball over and force takeaways, and the Eagles have zero of those so far this year, and maybe some of that's just bad luck with Anthony Harris kind of dropping a pick last week and the Darius Slay fumble recovery getting wiped out by that Kayvon Wallace penalty, but it's time. It's time to force some turnovers, and I feel like you have to look to Darius Slay if he's going to be big play Slay to really get that done. Kayvon Wallace did draw the penalty, but the penalty actually could have been on the uh, forearm prior to uh, Kayvon Wallace needs to play a big game again tonight. No Rodney McLeod. Yeah, Marcus Epps is going to get some time. I think they'll both split those safety times. Safety position against this Cowboy team that's going to throw the ball a lot, including with Tony Pollard out of the backfield, is got the potential to swing the balance of the power of the game. How much faith do you have in Wallace and Epps manning that other safety spot across from Harris tonight? Well, I think this is certainly their biggest test. You know, it's one thing to face Matt Ryan. It's another thing to face Jimmy G, who left a lot of uh, plays on the field, not only last night against the Packers, but also against the Eagles last weekend. So this is their biggest test yet. And I think Wallace hasn't been totally exposed yet, in part because of the competition hasn't been as amazing, in part because I think the Eagles' scheme helps him. But he's missed some tackles, and I think he's going to be tested more in coverage than he has been thus far. So really big bell for him to answer tonight against the Cowboys. Um, that offense is not a joke when you look at the weapons that they have there, even though they might be banged up in certain spots. And obviously Dak is easily the best quarterback they've faced so far or going to have faced so far this year. So I think it's a really big test. I think Wallace has had some issues. He has not really taken that step that you really want to see. Again, not necessarily saying he's been terrible, but he's not made any kind of big leap to a promising second-year player. And this would be a good chance for him to kind of turn that around. Two two games. Top five in points allowed, top five in yards allowed. I know it's early. I know the offenses haven't been world beaters, but how would you grade the Eagles defense as a whole? I think it's pretty good. I guess I'm going with like a B plus, A minus. The thing that gets me is like, where are the big impact plays? Again, maybe it's kind of just a a bad luck thing, dropping that pick, like I said, or maybe the turnovers are going to come here in bunches, but like, you have zero turnovers, takeaways, I mean, through two weeks. Like, that's not great. And then I know they've been limiting the big play, which is important, and I think that's really good. But, like, where are the sacks, too? I mean, they have three sacks, I believe, what total, three or four, and all those came on the last three drives against the Falcons where the game was kind of in hand and things were running away. Like, give me a sack early in the game. That kind of sets the tone or comes at a critical you know third down and gets you a stop like we haven't seen these kind of big impact splash plays maybe that's something you kind of have to live with in terms of the defense isn't going to give them up but you're not going to get them but i don't know man and you're paying a lot of money to fletcher cox a lot of money to to darius slate to not have big plays made by the defense so i think the defense is kind of solid and sound but you're going to have to come up with these takeaways to help out the offense give them some extra possessions some short fields especially tonight i, I don't think the Eagles are winning this game if they come out of another game here with zero takeaways and a uh, guy who is not getting paid that monster money like Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave is uh, Alex Singleton, who has become their biggest playmaking linebacker. He gets the ball. He is a short tackler, but he hasn't been able to come up with that huge turnover, tip pass, forced fumble type play yet. 
tonight would be a nice night for him to kick it in, right? If you Alex, you've already won. It's over as a starting linebacker, a guy that Eagle fans can get behind. A big play would be a nice addition tonight for Mr. Singleton, right? I mean, you wouldn't hate to see that, I feel like. Um, I think the linebackers have been kind of inconsistent here. Obviously, the tackling, I think Eric Wilson had something like four missed tackles in week one. And then I believe Alex Singleton actually had five last week against the 49ers and some coverage issues there. So, you know, these, these linebackers still are not any by any means, you know, strength of the team. I, I imagine they're an area that the Cowboys are going to look to expose. And it's a big challenge going up against Zeke, who is obviously a physical presence. And I certainly think isn't the, the player he once was, but you still have to tackle him. He's not the easiest guy to tackle. And then Tony Pollard, who the Cowboys seem to be realizing is a weapon that deserves more playing time because he's more efficient than Zeke is with his touches. So it's a big matchup for the linebackers as well. I mean, those we, we all put the attention on CeeDee Lamb and Amari Cooper, but those running backs can do some damage. We know what they got coming the next four games, BLG. If the Eagles win tonight, do you like their chances in the NFC East? Yeah, like I think they have to get to a point by midseason or so because they have this tough schedule coming up. They don't have to be amazing. They don't have to be above 500. If, as long as they're kind of like a game or two below, they're hanging around, they have the potential to figure things out late in the season, you know, with all those NFC games stacked up at the end. And also just from the standpoint of it's Jalen Hurts in the second year. It's Nick Sirianni in his first year. These guys are learning on the job. If those guys can kind of – figure things out and they're getting better by the end of the year and the team is gelling, I think there's a chance for them to make a run late in the season. So yeah, win here would be huge because you take first in the NFC East for now. You bake that win. You're two and one. You knock the Cowboys down to one and two. And then you're going to have a tough stretch here. I mean, the Chiefs are going to be very hungry for a win being at the bottom of the AFC West dropping down to one and two. So, and then the Panthers undefeated, obviously. Um, you got the Bucks coming to town on a Thursday night football. So yeah, it's a tough stretch to get a win here. would be really nice before you potentially go on a, a losing streak or a tough streak here. So it'd be a big deal. BLG, uh, we won't find out till shoot right before the game starts who the Eagles inactives are going to be. Boston Scott has not been inactive either of the first two weeks. He's played. He's played special teams. He hasn't played from the line of scrimmage, hasn't touched the ball yet, uh, but he has been in the Eagle uh, lineup. And that's a question mark tonight. He hasn't practiced the last couple of days. Don't know if he's going to be up to going. I guess I should be more worried about who's going to pick up his slack on special teams since he actually does play there. But I'm also worried about the running back position because you're one good hit away from having either Miles Sanders or Kenny Gamewell to go down. If he's uh, capable of playing, I guess then he plays. If he's not, how are the Eagles going to replace him on special teams and what does happen? in the backfield would they just go with two guys yeah it's really a good question because like you said i mean he hasn't had a big role this far he hasn't yet played an offensive snap but you know we have two running backs on the roster above him i mean like you said miles sanders or kenny gainwell get banged up and that's entirely possible at a position that gets hurt a lot running backs uh it's kind of concerning so if i'm not mistaken i believe that you'll still have some time to announce practice squad elevations because they play on monday they might be able to bump up jordan howard if they really want to if boston scott can't play if it's looking like that um so they still have some time if i'm not mistaken to kind of you know adjust there uh and maybe they'll do that we'll see uh also boston scott only missing practice with an illness we haven't seen him placed on the COVID list so we would assume that it's not COVID, but you know we don't know for sure. We're kind of speculating there. We'll see. Um, I don't know about special teams as much. You know, one guy I want to shout out, but, but while we're talking about special teams, is that new safety 
slash defensive back the Eagles got from the Colts, Andre Shashir. I mean, he's been really good. He's been down on punt coverage like every time the first time, so that's a good pickup by the pro personnel department. I mean, I guess he's going to have to keep doing his thing to really make this count. Um, it's not like Boston Scott is returning anymore, so you don't have to worry about that as much. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's one of those injuries that might not matter much if Sanders and Gainwell stay healthy and have a good game, but all of a sudden you know, you're one injury away from it being a bigger deal. Josh Sweat, I think he only ended up with – you probably know have a more accurate number here, but it was only like, what, 52% of the snaps last week. Uh, you know, Now that they paid him, doesn't he have to play more? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and here's the thing. Like, you know, a lot of people were talking about last week, well, there's a reason because, you know, they have a specific role designed for Ryan Kerrigan. I mean – isn't this the coaching staff that everyone loves because they just play the best players? It's about players. It's not about scheme. I mean, you can't you can't say that and then have Ryan Kerrigan playing more than Josh Sweat. Like, that's just not okay. And to Nick Sirianni's credit, he admitted after the Eagles lost to the 49ers that Sweat's number needs to get back up. That was too low. So that's good to see. But, I mean, let's see it in the results, too. I mean, you can't give Josh Sweat a $13.3 million a year deal and then have him playing behind Ryan Kerrigan. That just does not make any sense. Josh Sweat was one of your best players in training camp. He is one of the best young players in terms of promising talent on the team. He needs to be playing. And, again, with Brandon Graham out, he needs to really step up here. I mean, he's a a guy who's going to have to take on uh, a lot of pressure in terms of being able to produce. All right, BLG, two-part question to wrap this up. Uh, Number one. Sounds like you're leaning toward the Cowboys tonight. Would I be reading between your BLG lines correctly? I mean, you are. It's not that I necessarily feel amazing about the Cowboys. I just don't really feel super confident right now about the Eagles with the way things are trending, especially with that Jordan Mailata news coming out in practice that kind of cemented it for me. I just, again, I've seen Andre Dillard really struggle. I can't just give him the benefit of the doubt. He's not earned that. So um, I think it's going to be a close game. It's going to be a tough game. Uh, I think it's going to be a 24-20 to 20 win for the Cowboys, unfortunately. Man, you and I see it the same way. I was leaning toward the Eagles until my lot of injury, and now I'm definitely leaning toward the Cowboys. I, and away from the uh, Eagles for a millisecond, hmm. good news, bad news. Jeff and I discussed this before the show started today. Carson Wentz has played 93% of the snaps for the Colts. That's good news. Bad news is they're 0-3, and they're starting to look like they're going to have a very high draft pick, which if it gets to some point, the ownership is going to come down and tell the coach, listen, know how much you like your old boy here, but we need to save that first-round pick. We're going nowhere fast. We need to take a look at some of our other quarterbacks. Is Carson Wentz actually going to get pulled again for the second consecutive year, BLG? I mean, if the season ended today, which it doesn't, the Colts will be picking number three overall in the 2022 NFL draft. There is zero chance the Colts are letting the Eagles get a pick that high for Carson Wentz. So, yeah, there's absolutely a chance he gets benched. I don't think it's going to be, you know, anytime super soon unless it's related to the injury. But we're talking about late in the year and they're trying to get him under that, you know, 75% threshold. That's absolutely going to happen. I, I can't see it not happening. Although, the only thing I'll add is once you do that, like, the Carson Wentz era in Indy is over. Like you're not pulling that plug and you're coming back next year and you're working like no, it's done at that point. So that's that's the cost you're gonna have to pay if you do that. You mean Carson Wentz wouldn't be able to roll with those punches and bounce <laughs> back and go, All right, I still know it's my team. I'll be ready to go in twenty twenty two. You don't see that for Carson Wentz? Yeah. I mean that's <laughs> yeah, no. Well, Brent Hunt needs backup. That's all you need to know. <laughs> 
Not good. Uh, and it is going to be fun to keep an eye on all year long. BLG, appreciate it. As always, you know, we're going to have you back again next time. You better be ready at 820, though. Uh, otherwise, you're going to get nasty texts from me. Brandon, thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. I'll be ready. Thanks, guys. That's our boy, Brandon Lee Gowton from Bleeding Green Nation, giving us some insight for tonight's matchup between the Eagles and the Cowboys. Jeff and I will be back. We'll talk plenty more about it. And we've still got one more guest to come. Good-looking dude, too. Uh, the other Mac, John McMullen, will join us coming up about 25 minutes from now here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, Injured victims are always the underdog, but that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. Your birth 365 guys today. Hour number two coming your way as we get that much closer to kickoff between the Cowboys and the Eagles. Our usual bud, John McMullen, is going to join us live from his hotel room. And, John, if you're out there listening, I think he's already got us punched up. Uh, be ready to go in 20 minutes and tell the girl to leave now. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just busted. McMullen, a happily married guy. Um, but he is on the road. 
I do want to give uh, my guy BLG one uh, piece of cover before we get out of here. Uh, one of our guides, DeForest Shields, on the stream uh, was not happy with BLG calling uh, Fletcher Cox on the carpet. And I know Brandon wrote about this on his website last week, and he sees just 100% right. And I'm a big Fletcher Cox fan and a guy, but he hasn't produced end of last season into the first two games of this year. And uh, as uh, DeForest Shields says on the stream, he gets double teamed every single play. You're right, he does. Not every play, but but the great majority of the play. Two guys are, uh, uh, he's commanding the attention to two guys are along the offensive line. You know who else that happens for Jeff Kerr? Aaron Donald. A he lot. gets double teamed on every single play too. And oh, by the way, he makes plays, he gets sacks, he's in the quarterback's face on an almost play-in, play-out basis. So you can't use that, oh, he double-teamed, you can take anybody you want out of the game if you're uh, giving up attention to him. Oh, okay. Then how does Aaron Donald continue to be the best defensive player on the field in the middle of a line when he's getting double-teamed on every single play? I'm not saying Fletcher Cox can be Aaron Donald or should be expected to be Aaron Donald. But with the amount that he's getting paid, he's got to be closer to Aaron Donald than he has been. I think wondering when Fletcher Cox is going to start to play like one of the best two or three defensive tackles in the National Football League since being paid that is a very fair question to ask at this stage. Oh, I agree with that. Like, I, do I think BLG's being a little too hard on Fletcher Cox? Yeah, a little bit. But I will say this. He is absolutely right. You're getting paid all that money. I expect eight-plus sacks out of the defensive tackle position. I don't care if he's getting double-teamed all the time. Now, if Javon Hargrave is producing as a result of Fletcher Cox getting double-teamed, yeah, okay, he's doing his job. But Javon Hargrave's getting paid a lot of money, too. You're paying Fletcher Cox and Javon Hargrave to get to the quarterback. One of them is probably a bargain for his contract right now, and that's Javon Hargrave after two games. But Fletcher Cox is getting paid a lot of money, and he's on the north side of 30 now to – be a guy who gets double teamed. Well, Aaron Donald's 32. So, uh, again, I, I agree with you there, Joey. Like, he gets double teamed all the time. Now, I will say this. Between Aaron Donald and the rest of the league, I got Aaron Donald up here, and I got everybody else down here. That's just how I, I rank Aaron Donald. But, by the way, I, I think because everybody likes to get on Fletcher Cox, there's another guy who BLG mentioned who I mentioned on the podcast this summer, and I got ripped for it by Eagles fans. You know, for a guy who's called Big Play Slay, he hasn't been big play Slay in several, several years. I love Darius Slay. I thought he had a hell of a game last week. He was only targeted twice, allowed one catch for six yards. The 49ers didn't even want to test this guy last week. That's how good Darius Slay was. He was very good. He's been very good the first two games of the year. But we need to see turnovers out of this guy. We need to see forced fumbles out of this guy. That's why the Eagles pay him $16.6 million a year. Correct. And, oh, by the way, this is a nice test for both of the cornerbacks because Stephen Nelson has played well in the first two games too. Remember, I remember back to the summer when basically every Birds 365 episode was about, when are the Eagles going to get their second cornerback? When are they going to go? And they waited and they patiently got the guy that they probably had ranked number one all along at the price that they wanted to pay him, uh, Stephen Nelson. Give Howie Roseman credit for that one. And so far, Stephen Nelson has lived up to uh, not only what was expected of him, but as, uh, above and beyond the paycheck that he's made. Yeah, this is the best test of those two guys because you're coming at them with C.D. Lamb and Amari Cooper, and I expect those two guys 
to be on the outside tonight. Every once in a while, they'll sneak one or two of them into the slot just to give the Eagles a different look. But it's going to come down to Nelson and Slight covering those two guys. And that's certainly the best combination of wide receivers that the Eagles have faced so far this year. Oh, absolutely. It might be the best combination of wide receivers they face all year, if you want to be honest. I mean, you know, look at next week. Kansas City Chiefs of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. If you want to consider Travis Kelsey a receiver, fine. You know, he is a tight end. I mean, that's the most dangerous. But on the outside, I don't think it gets any better than Amari Cooper and C.D. Lamb for this football team going forward. It's, you know, C.D. Lamb is an absolute stud. I've said this already on this show. I think C.D. Lamb is eventually going to overtake Cooper as the number one wide receiver in Dallas if he hasn't already. We know what Amari Cooper can do. Eagles fans know what Amari Cooper can do. Uh, you know, R.I.P., um, you know, Michael Jaquette and other guys who have tried to cover Amari Cooper over the years. Uh, I think Chandon Sullivan was part of that group who's actually become a solid cornerback in this league. But uh, overall, it's just these guys can beat you. And, uh, you know, if Dallas ends up scoring 30 points, they're going to be the reason why. I mean, they're going to beat the Eagles with big plays down the field. But they, then again, is why you trade you traded for Darius Slay. This is why you signed Steven Nelson. This is why you have a good slot cornerback in Devontae Max to stop these from happening. This is the true test around the night. I want to hit on a couple of things around the league before our buddy John uh, Johnny Mac joins us from yesterday's action. Uh, we're down to five three and O teams in the NFL, four of which are out there on the West Coast, AFC West, NFC West. We got some good football being played in the Western. Uh, side of this country as of right now the only other one being sam darnold and the carolina panthers didn't necessarily see that one coming and we have five oh and three teams as well one of which i know is your favorite team the new york giants who found a way to lose yesterday <laughs> eli manning's retirement day at giant stadium and the giant owner john mara got booed when he was on the field before the announcement and if that was uh and the the thought and the emotions of Giant fans before they lost yesterday's game. What do you think it's going to be like after they lost yesterday's game? The Giants may be looking up at everybody in this division all season long, JJ. You know, I made 10 bold predictions in the summer, and the one I put at number one, I ranked them based on most confidence. I had full confidence the Giants would be an absolute train wreck this season. I just did not like how they built that team. I thought it was all overhyped. I thought their excuse was, including from their head coach, that the only reason we didn't make the playoffs at 6-10 and was because the team itself of us tanked, and we're going to make sure that they're going to pay for that. Oh, really? Were you going to be 0-10 when you're going to make them pay for that? Because that's how bad this team looks right now. Saquon Barkley just said yesterday, oh, I don't think we're a bad team. There are no bad teams in the NFL. Well, you lost to a bad team. You lost to a team the Eagles beat 32-6. And I got to give Atlanta credit. They're playing better for Arthur Smith. They're playing hard. So you got to give, you know, Nick Sirianni a bit of credit there, too, for beating the pants out of them. But you cannot have 10 days off and score 14 points against a team that the Eagles scored 30 against and Tampa Bay put up 40 against, who allowed 80 points in two games. You put up 14 when, you, when you're supposed to have this all-world offense, and I don't want to hear about Sterling Shepard and Darius Slayton getting hurt. Your offensive line's terrible. Um, your quarterback is Helder Skelter. Your defense isn't as good as you thought it was. And they did play well yesterday, but again, uh, look at the competition. It's, it's going to get really ugly for the Giants really fast, Jody. I, I mean, it's their schedule is – not easy these next couple weeks. It's they could be looking at 0 and 8 going to the bye week. 
And oh, by the way, I've got a bunch of giant fan friends that I exchange texts with and or uh, work on the air with for CBS Sports Radio. Um, the uh, leaning on the fact that, yeah, we may be bad, but we're not as bad as the Jets doesn't quite cover it. When well, you're 0 3, that's pretty damn bad. I don't care whether you're better than the Jets or not. They are as bad as the Jets, though, because the Jets and the Giants have 18 wins since the start of the 2017 season. Don't play a MetLife stadium. That's all. the only thing I got for them. Build a new stadium. Yeah, that is a house of horrors, is it not? All right. Uh, the other thing I wanted to get on uh, board with, with is the fact that uh, the winner of this division will go to first place in the NFC least. And it's very much looking like the NFC least again, because the Washington football team, I'm a little surprised here. I got to say, because I picked them at the top of the division for one reason and one reason only before this year started that I thought their defense was the best unit of the eight units in the division. Dallas's offense only slightly behind it. That's what the Eagles have to try and deal with and handle tonight. But the Washington defense for me was above and beyond the best unit. And I thought that Fitzpatrick would be okay. Now it's Taylor Heineke. Not that big a drop off. Heineke's all right. Uh, Even made some plays yesterday. But the Washington defense got shredded yesterday by Josh Allen's in the Buffalo offense. Uh, They were lucky to get away with a victory against a subpar giant offense the week before. What... What happened to Washington's defense, Jeff Kerr? They don't have a pass rush. And, you know, Washington fans came at me because I said, look, you want to hype up Chase Young, that's fine. I hype up Chase Young all the time. You know, Chase Young was an absolute stud last year. He's an absolute dud this year. He's terrible. He's not getting after the quarterback. Offensive lines have figured him out. They they figured out that one move he had at Ohio State and that one move he used in the NFL last year. And now he can't adjust. And Montez Sweat, it's affecting him. It's affecting Deron Payne. It's affecting uh, Matt Idos. It's affecting that entire defensive line right now. That defensive line is just out of sync, and that secondary is getting destroyed for it. I know Washington does not have the linebacking group it had. Maybe they miss Ryan Kerrigan. Who knows? But this is a team that I did not expect their defense to be this bad at all. And, and the irony was, Jody, yesterday I didn't expect them to be bad because the Bills – Beating them was my lock of the week. I had the Bills beating them by 14 points. and Really? They, they dumped them. It's I just did not like that matchup for them. It's, you know, them playing the Giants, um, that opened up a lot of eyes. And, you know, I, I love to get on the Giants here, but the Giants should have beat that football team last week. I mean, really, the Giants should probably beat one and two. But they're not. And Washington, it's kind of a miracle they're at one and two right now. And they're, they're still in it because – I thought that that win in week two for your Washington or the Giants was huge. And now you're looking at Washington, you're thinking, okay, yeah, we're bad, but we still have a chance to correct this. We're only going to be a game out of the division. Oh, and by the way, we're 1-0 in the division, and we get to play the Eagles and Dallas twice. But it's not looking good for them here early on. You're right, Jody. It's, you know, I had the NC North as the worst division in football um, going into this week. That changed. It might be the NFC East again. No, it was the NFC East for me, week one, week two, week three. And I think we'll be all all 18 weeks this year. We'll see how it uh, plays out. Uh, one other guy I got to give some props to, as long as we're admitting that we're wrong. And at least three weeks in, I was wrong about the Washington defense. I thought it would be uh, studly in the division. It has surely not been. I thought the world, and when I say the world, I mean all NFL media, 
were overhyping Matthew Stafford to the Rams, that this was the missing piece that's going to lift them to, back to the Super Bowl just a couple of years removed. I know Stafford's got game. I know he's got a good arm. Um, he, his career was what it was in Detroit, and they never uh, did enough to build up the defense around him. But uh, I thought his being plugged into a new system was being a little overhyped in the NFL. Yeah, three games in, it looks like I'm woefully wrong because he has fit like a glove out there in McVay's system. And it is too early to actually usually go there, but you can go there after week one. So you sure as hell can go there after week three. I usually like to wait till at least week four, but to make my point, I'll go there now. He'd sit atop my MVP ballot in the NFL three weeks in. How about you? Well, I don't know if he's my MVP yet. I, I think there's a guy in Vegas who has a really strong case for MVP right now, and Derek Carr, but Matthew Stafford's right up there. I mean, he tied the franchise record for most um, touchdowns for three games with Kurt Warner. And by the way, the year Kurt Warner did that, the Rams won the Super Bowl. So, yeah, I thought Matthew Stafford would be as good as he's been in Los Angeles. And I thought for sure the Rams would go to the playoffs and make a deep playoff run. The pressure's on Sean McVay here because Sean McVay is the one who said, well, it's Jared Goff. It's not me. I'm the genius of, of this operation. I'm the brains here. Well, let me get my quarterback. Okay, you got your quarterback. Well, your quarterback has always been good, at least in my opinion. I know they like to get on Matthew Stafford for his losing record and all that. Well, he was quarterback of the Lions. He made the Lions respectable. And I looked at it as, okay, when Deshaun Jackson's your number four wide receiver – and I know their running game's banned, their offensive line's old, but their defense is still really, really good. I am not surprised on what this Rams team has done through three games so far. The true test is going to be what happens when they play these division games, because they haven't played one yet, but a convincing win over Tampa Bay, that's that's a statement right there. No, I'm actually a little surprised by this. I did not know that this was the case. You know who the leading quarterback in the NFL is? For quarterback rating after three weeks? Is it still Russell Wilson? Russell Wilson. How the hell are the Seahawks? I know they're deep. The Legion of Boom is no more. Their defense is leaking badly up there in Seattle. But yeah, he's at 133.6. I did not know that he'd gotten off to that good a start. More power to him. Uh, number two is Matthew Stafford. And your boy, Derek Carr, is 14th in the NFL at quarterback rating. Yes, he has the most yards. Yes, he has gotten some extra times because they keep playing into overtime for allowed to allowing him to add those extra compiling stats like yards. But uh, he is right now the 14th just by quarterback rating, uh, 14th uh, quarterback in the NFL. Yeah, I think Stafford has to be on top of that MVP list. That's just me. All right, quickie timeout coming up. We'll jump back into the Eagles and the Cowboys with our buddy John McMullen, who is scheduled to join us live. From Big D, he is down in Dallas for Eagles Cowboys tonight. He's next here on Birds 365. comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, injured victims are always the underdog. 
but that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass, free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Bird 365 here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Jody McDonald with Jeff Kerr today. We are joined by the usual co-host of this show. He is live down in Dallas, getting ready for Eagles and the Cowboys, John McMullen. I take it your uh, flight down and your arrival in Big D went without issue, Mr. McMullen? Oh, there's always an issue, Jody, but I'm here. Nobody cares about the issues. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, big airports, you know. Uh, it takes. I think you spend half your time in the air and then the other half taxiing to the gate. <laughs> How's Jerry World treating you so far, John? Have you seen it yet? Uh, I've se- I've not seen it today. Well, we'll get there obviously a night game a little bit later, but I have seen it in the past. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. Uh, pretty impressive stadium, as most of the newer stadiums are. Uh, but this is probably the the apex of them all. I, I was telling Jody, it's probably a little bit too big. Uh, I think they've lost some of that home field advantage that some other teams have because it's just so cavernous. I, I, I don't think it, it intimidates the players as much as certain other stadiums around the league. Jay Mack, when you and I wrapped up Birds 365 on Friday, we did not know the Eagles were going to lose another key member of their starting lineup that uh, Jordan Mailata had rinsed a knee in practice on Thursday uh, now officially out for the game. They chose not to put him on IR, which means they think he can be back maybe for next week, at the worst, the week after that. How big a loss is that for the Eagles heading into this Monday night matchup? 
Well, I think it's a big loss because Jordan is playing so well. Um, you know, but if you want to rewind a week, I think it would have been much worse to have Jordan Mailata out and, and you're going against Nick Bosa in that 49. He did an amazing job against uh, Bosa. This week, the, the Cowboys, I know most Eagles fans have no confidence whatsoever in Andre Dillard. But if you want him out there, if you want him out there to give him a chance to sort of sort of start a potential reclamation project, this might be the team. This might be the perfect team because they don't have any pass rushers without Demarcus Lawrence. Um, you know, they're so desperate. They got to move Micah Parsons to essentially edge rusher from linebacker. You know, they're hoping Randy Gregory can come back from, from the COVID list and is 76 what are we on, Jeff? How many suspensions? <laughs> uh, He's on at least 77 now, Jeff. Yeah, I, I, I mean, they they have nothing up front right now, and, and they usually have nothing except Demarcus Lawrence. Like this, if he fails tonight, then he can really say, all right, you can really get on him. John. Yeah, but you, you think they're going to play Michael Parsons against him, don't you? Just plug him in there and say, go beat this guy as often as you can. Because even though it was kind of out of nowhere, throw him in deep end of the pool last week, been a linebacker, now you're a defensive end. He adjusted pretty well with eight pressures last week and two sacks. Uh, Yeah, I know he's new to the position, but he's one for one in pretty outstanding performances in the NFL at that position, is he not? Well, if you go with the old boxing mentality of, of styles make fights, I, I would say, you know, a 245-pound speed rusher is exactly what Andre Dillard wants because that's what he can do. He's a great athlete. He's got great natural pass protection skills. If you go back to his rookie season, really the last time we saw him play, it was guys like an ex-cowboy, Robert Quinn at the time, and veteran pass rushers, Everson Griffin, he had a ton of trouble with, who just put him on skates with their power and, and bulldozed him back into the pocket. Parsons isn't going to do that. Parsons is just going to try to run around him. So again, this to me, this is this is a perfect scenario for Andre Dillard, as perfect as it's going to get. Because if this were Nick Bosa, I, I would I would put, you know, Jalen Hurts on alert. <laughs> John, I want to take a positive spin on this. Let's say Andre Dillard exceeds all our expectations and plays well tonight, and he has to fill in for Milada for another week or so. Plays well. Do the Eagles even think about trading him or trying to trade him, or do they just kind of keep him around as a good insurance policy? Uh, well, it's tough. I mean, y- you can certainly you're, you have him on your rookie deal. You want to, you know, we always say you want to uh, buy low, sell high. The problem with trying to trade him uh, this early is that you were you were selling really low and that's what you don't want to do. Um, so if, if he starts to rebuild that reputation, yeah, you've already made your decision. You've made your decision at left tackle by signing Jordan Mailata to the extension. So I would try to peddle him if, if, and you and I always talk about this, Jeff, this offensive line deficient league, there's plenty of teams in this league that, that need a left tackle. And if they see any hope, I mean, any hope, somebody puts together a game or two, they might jump 
So, yeah, if he plays well, even tonight, and you can make that trade because of the situation. And people don't put the context and say Demarcus Lawrence isn't out there. You know, Micah Parsons isn't an edge rusher, weighs 245 pounds, just works out like I explained it. That's exactly playing to Andre Dillard's strengths. Um, I, I would move as quickly as possible if you get that opportunity, but um, you got to get that opportunity. Chicago Bears one one John, one of my critiques for Nick Sirianni this past week was I think he over-adjusted to make his game plan fit the opposition, that they did things offensively because they were giving San Francisco credit for their ability to do this, that, and the other thing. This week, if you match the two offenses up, Dallas and Philadelphia, Dallas has got more skill on offense. They've got better offensive players than the Eagles do. So you'd probably want to avoid a shootout. Does that mean the Eagles are going to try and run the ball plenty this week? They did last week, and at times they did it effectively, a lot of it being the uh, quarterback himself, but they ran the ball effectively. But they did only have three points on the scoreboard with 10 minutes to go in the game, which is usually not enough to win in the National Football League. I guess it's a long roundabout way of me asking you, what do you think the run-pass ratio is tonight for the Eagles? Well, you know me and run-pass ratio. I mean, tell me who's winning in the fourth quarter, and I'll tell you what the run-pass ratio is going to be because that's all it depends on. If somebody's up two scores, they're going to run the football. If they're down two scores, they're going to throw the football all over the lot. Uh, so I, I don't think it necessarily has to do anything with game planning other than the Eagles are, are heavily run dependent because of the quarterback. So uh, they're going to run the football uh, more than most teams because that's the strength of the quarterback. A lot of the times it, it comes out of, of plays that aren't designed to be runs either because he's going to scramble and he's going to make something out of nothing. So the Eagles are second in the NFL, very small sample size entering week three in, in the rushing game. Almost all of that is tied to the presence of Jalen Hurts. Um, and we'll see if that's sustainable. We asked um, uh, Nick Sirianni this week, I think it was my buddy Ed Kratz who asked the question, is it sustainable? And he, he thinks it is. So um, it's a strength of Jalen Hurts, and he's going to use it. John, one of the things I'm looking at with this Dallas team is, I feel like this is more of a must-win game for the Cowboys than the Eagles. So I want to ask you this. How does Mike McCarthy find ways to lose this game tonight? Well, it's interesting, you know. I mean, <laughs> I was talking to Jody uh, with this about Nick Sirianni last week. Um, you know, coaches rarely win games. They can lose them. Usually the players uh, win or lose games. I would say coaches can lose games, but they rarely win them. As I said, Nick Sirianni lost the game last week. So I'm not going to go in there and say the Eagles have an advantage because their coach lost the game. So I know I know where Mike McCarthy's reputation is at this point, and it's not very high. Um, but he is a veteran coach, um, probably a slight advantage over a young Eagles coach who made, you know, Jody said it there, 
you know, made this weird giant gesticulation going from one extreme to the other extreme after having success, which didn't make a lot of sense. So I'm, I'm more interested in Nick Sirianni. Do we go back to uh, week one? Um, is he, is he over emphasizing the week two loss again and going further down a rabbit hole? Hopefully it's somewhere in between, which is where it should have been to begin with. Uh, interesting. You use that phrase going down the rabbit hole. I think it's a fair one. And I, you know, you and I discussed it last week that you thought he was over the top in over analysis on himself and how bad the game that he had in play calling in his world. And I'm talking mostly about his staff, his advisor, maybe his dad in his ear or whatever. Who's the one, if he got out there on the ledge, if you were right, Johnny Mac, that he was overexposing himself, who's the guy who's going to talk him back? Who's the guy who's going to get inside his ear and go, remember, all you got to do is turn back the clock 14 days, and you had a great game against Atlanta. So let's not get crazy here, Nick. Who's going to be the guy to give him the best advice as to how to balance himself going into this week on play call? My guess would be Kevin Petullo. Uh, who's the passing game coordinator, they seem to be the closest. That that seems to be the guy who was the closest to Nick Sirianni um, on the Eagles coaching staff, which is interesting uh, because he's not the offensive coordinator. He's not the defensive coordinator. So I always thought this process, you know, when Nick was explaining when he got the job, he, he said, like most young coaches, most rookie coaches do, I he, you know, there's not a lot enough time in the day. I think people quickly realize it's more than just scheming and, and calling plays. And he would always reference, I told Kevin to do this. I told Kevin to do that. It was sort of like Kevin Petullo was his right-hand man, and I think he is his right-hand man. So I think those are, are the closest. That's the closest person to him on the coaching staff. But he's got a lot of people, and obviously Shane Steichen is one of them. Jim Bob Cooter is another, um, and that's just inside the organization. As you mentioned, you go outside the organization. I think he realizes um, he probably took the loss a, a little bit too hard, and I think that's more of a emotional uh, aspect of the position, the game. He's just got to learn how to deal uh, with the losses a little bit better because Hey, if you're going to be a coach in this league long term, there's going to be a lot of losses over over the years, even if you're successful. John, you guys clearly don't have locker room access you once had, but Dallas does. And there were some bulletin board quotes from Micah Parsons this week. I don't know if you heard, but he said Jalen Hurts is on his hit list. And, you know, that's that just happens to be the quarterback he's after this week. Um, did Eagles players get a wind of that, or did they even mention anything about, you know, Micah Parsons talking a lot of smack for a guy who's only played two games in the league? No, I, I, I don't think they cared. Jody and I talked about this as well. It's a different generation uh, uh, of players. I, I always compare it to Magic Johnson and Isaiah Thomas kissing at the center court in the NBA Finals. I, I just like, you know, to me, like when Nick Sirianni went, wore the Beat Dallas t-shirt, that Dallas players were asked about that. And they're like, eh, who cares? Um, same thing with the Eagles. I mean, Jalen Hurts loves C.D. Lamb. C.D. Lamb loves Jalen Hurts. 
Devontae Smith loves Trevon Diggs. Trevon Diggs loves Devontae like Smith. They all love each other. They're gonna they're gonna play the game. Everybody wants to win the game. I'm not trying that. But after the game is over, they're gonna they're gonna exchange jerseys and they're gonna be happy for each other. And I I mean that's just a, a new generation of football. So I think the rivalry at this stage is more, you know, fan base generated than than player generated. I agree with you there. Uh, let me ask you another old school, new school type question. It used to be a big deal when you were on Monday Night Football. Now, I'm old enough, Johnny, you're close to being old enough to remember back when that was the lone primetime game before Sunday Night Football, before Thursday Night Football. It was the standalone primetime game. It is no longer the case. And the NFL has changed with this love and free agency stuff. So it's just another Sunday game that, yeah, you get an extra day on the front end. You get one day less than you can put complain about on the back end. Has Monday night lost its luster? Well, there I'm going to go opposite. I think it has with us, Jody, no question, but I don't think it has with the players. Really? Um, yeah. They, especially with the younger guys, they just see, it is prime time. It is standalone. So the rest of the league is watching. So they 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 take it as their peers get to see them. We we're talking to Quez Watkins about this and he, he was he was really excited about playing on Monday night by himself uh with the Eagles. So yeah, for for people like us who remember Howard Cosell and Monday night football halftime highlights when he couldn't get highlights. Uh, at the at the tap of a button on Twitter immediately after they happen, um, it's not a big deal anymore. But I think to the to the players when they get to play uh, in prime time by themselves with no other games going on, whether it's Sunday night or Monday night, it's a big deal for them. Yeah, John, you would think it'd be the opposite though, right? Just because. A lot of these players, like, I'll look at Jalen Hurts, for example. He's 23, 24 years old. He doesn't remember when Monday Night Football was actually on ABC. And Al Michaels and John Madden and Al, Al Michaels, Frank Gifford, Dan Deardorff, you know, that was the game. It, you know, it feels like it's taken such a hit, maybe media-wise, since it went to ESPN, that it's just not the game the NFL wants to market. Yeah, I, I mean, that's what, yeah, that's, uh, it, it. it isn't. It is, it's certainly taken a backseat to, Sunday night football from the league perspective and, and from uh, the perspective of the networks and what they pay and all that stuff. Sunday night football is the jewel. Uh, but yeah, that's for TV executives. And I, I don't want to throw you in the same boat with Jody and I, uh, but for uh, older people like us who remember what a big deal uh, Monday night football was at one point. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's it pales in comparison to what it once was, but that's the reason why, because Jalen Hurts has no idea what it once was. So to him and Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager, Devontae Smith, I mean, it's just a primetime game. It's like they're by themselves. The whole league is watching the Philadelphia Eagles and, and watching them play. So for them, it's still a big deal. J-Mac, Rodney McLeod already judged to be out for this game, so he's going to miss – the first three games of the season, we'll find out next week whether it's going to be a fourth, a fifth, or a sixth. They miss him on two fronts. Number one, at his own position at safety. And number two, as the guy who they may have been able to lean on 
to stand into the lurch with the loss of Brandon Graham as far as leadership goes on the defense. Marcus Epp, Trayvon Wallace, how big is that other safety position going to be tonight against the Cowboy team that's going to roll three and four capable receivers out there on every single play? Yeah, I mean, this is their biggest test, obviously. I mean, through the first two weeks, they have persevered, to say the least. They've given up one explosive passing play of over 20 yards, which is, you know, if you watched Sunday, and I didn't get to watch much of Sunday football but because I was traveling all, all day, but you see the highlights. You see all the explosive plays all over the place. To play two NFL games and give up one passing play of over 20 yards, I I guess you could technically be better and give up zero, but <laughs> I, I mean that's pretty stinking impressive. So Correct. I I would say to this point they have persevered to say the least. Now Atlanta and San Francisco are not nearly as explosive on paper as Dallas, and then some upcoming games uh, with Kansas City and obviously hope Andy Reid is okay and and they're not playing as well as everyone expected and then you have Tampa Bay coming in and they lost but they're still explosive teams um they're going to be tested if Rodney's not back he's obviously not back tonight so this will be their biggest test it'll be interesting to see how how that secondary holds up they can't I'm at some point they got to give up 20 yard pass plays so I assume they'll give up a few tonight uh, because Dallas is that much better. But if it's still in a positive direction, uh, so far so good on that on that account. John, I want to bring back the Monday Night Football topic again with the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry tying into this. I mean, I watched a lot of old Monday Night Football games over the summer uh, yeah, with Eagles-Cowboys. For some reason, I've watched the Ray Rhodes era, which they the Eagles always seem to hear get heartbroken on Monday Night Football or just dumped by Aikman and those guys. And I always like watching the pregame stuff. And Aikman pointed out, look, if you're not excited to play the Philadelphia Eagles, you shouldn't be here. And he said, on Monday Night Football, you just add on top of it. And, you know, do, are players feeling this too? Like, is Nick Sirianni trying to get this message them? Look, you have to be fired up to play the Dallas Cowboys. Just, I'm not even calling it fan generating at this point. Yeah, I, I don't know, Jeff. I'd like to I'd like to tell you yes, but I, I don't think so. I mean, Nick, early in the week, played some highlights to try to uh, – uh, try to get the younger players. Remember, they don't know uh, about this rivalry and, and try to explain to them what it means to the city. But he also mentioned, look, you don't want to overemphasize it because you don't want to pretend this game's bigger than next week or the week after uh, and, and get them thinking in that uh, way as well. So talking to a number of guys, Jalen Hurts, Jalen Rager, Quez Watkins, as I mentioned, some of the younger players, uh, I mean, it's 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 the next game on the schedule for them. Uh, and as I said, you know, you know, Xander, well, I got to get my Alabama reference in there. The Alabama guys love each other. They love each other. I don't know how other way to explain it. Uh, it's like the old school Miami players back in the days when Jimmy Johnson was there. They're just so tight, and and it's it's such a community. Um, and, and the same thing as, as I mentioned, when Jalen went to Oklahoma and got to meet C.D. Lamb. And, and I heard it from C.D. Lamb's perspective down there. He just, 
was raving about Jalen Hurts. It, it's I, I, they're not going to see that star now. Maybe Lane Johnson, maybe some of the older guys, um, but but not the newer gen, not not the younger players. It's it's week three, man. It's week three. Johnny Mac, come back to game planning again, heading into the night's game and get and play calling heading into the game against the Cowboys. Uh, you're in the heat of the moment. You're calling plays, one following the other and the like, and you're not worried about across the board stuff. And then after the game is over, you got to go back and look at the tape and crunch the numbers and go, wow, we missed out on this. Why did we didn't do more of that? How did we not get this done? To me, the thing that stood out last week was the use of tight ends. I know everybody talks about getting the ball down the middle, which a lot of times you can do so with your tight ends. And that was part of the issue last week. Four targets for Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard combined. And it wasn't like they were short tripped out of uh, spots on the field. They did use uh, plenty of, of 12 and uh, both of those guys got enough snaps to make more plays than that. Tell me why there'll be more use of the tight ends in tonight's game against the Cowboys. Or tell me, Jody, you're whistling upstream. Good luck with that. It's not happening. Well, if you're right, Jody, it's because, you know, Nick heard about it all week uh, from the media and outside voices about why the heck is there no throws over the middle in this offense? Now, now Nick says that's what the what the opposing defenses are giving the Eagles, and that's why it looks like a donut, his passing charts, just blank in the middle. Um, I find it very hard to believe opposing defenses want to say to Jalen Hurts, hey, play to your strengths. You throw the football well outside the numbers down. Let's play to your strengths. I, I, I think they would want to funnel uh, throws into the middle of the field. I, I mean, if you have a, a quarterback whose reputation is not being the most accurate in the world, where are you going to get interceptions? If you throw it in the middle of the field, maybe it's behind a receiver, a tip, ball goes up in the air, right in the middle of the field. That's that's a recipe for interceptions. So I, I don't think Nick is telling us the truth. When he says the defense is taking away the middle of the field, I think he's been trying to protect and scheme up Jalen Hurts over the first two weeks. And at some point, he's going to have to open up the offense a little bit. Um, what When that point will be, I, I don't know. Um, I hope it's got to be sooner rather than, than later because, as I've said, I mean, to me, the bigger – the bigger issue in this season is not winning a crappy NFC East, which looks crappy again, guys. It's finding out if Jalen Hurts is a long-term answer at quarterback for this organization. John, I was watching – I rewatched the Cowboys' first two games this week just to get a feel on, you know, the secondary. I, I, I think feel I, for you. I feel yeah. for you. Well, <laughs> for Diggs. Diggs is, Diggs is turning into a hell of a player. Yeah, I, I will say that. that that's kind of where I wanted to – bring this up here. If I was a betting man, I think I'd go the over on Devonta Smith in receiving yards this week. It, it just feels like he has an opportunity to have a big game tonight. Well, they know each other. I, I mean, they practice against each other every single day uh, in what was it, 2019, and they were both all, all SEC players that year, both star players. Um, 
a lot of people thought uh, Diggs would be a first-round pick, ended up going in the second round. Um, he's been one of the most improved defensive backs in the league. People always, coaches always talk about the improvement from year one to year two. He's a perfect example of that. Now, he is a guy who's going to take chances, too. So he is a guy um, who's going to try for the interception. He's got two already. I think he's got three pass breakups. Um, so he will give you an opportunity to make a big play, but he's going to make more likely than not make a big play going the other way. It's a great matchup because, um, you know, the two know each other, the two like each other, the two practice each other. One of the reasons they're the players they are is because they practice against each other. But I got to tell you, Tom Brady threw the football all over the field in week one. The only guy he couldn't get the football to was Mike Evans, their best receiver, and that's because Trevon Diggs was on him. And then week two, he kind of shut down Keenan Allen. Those are two pretty good receivers. He's playing well. Do you think they go mano a mano, he and Devontae Smith, or uh, do you think the Cowboys let uh, it be decided by which side of the field the receivers come out on? Um, as per production, the Eagle wide receivers are all pretty even. Quez Watkins has a couple of big plays, but Devontae has more grabs, and Rager's made his plays. How do you think the Cowboys will match up specifically defensive backfield against Eagles wide receivers? Well, if it goes like the first two weeks, they will uh, probably have digs on Devontae an awful lot. Um, you know, do they think he's at the level of, of a Mike Evans yet or Keenan Allen? I, I don't know. You know, it's interesting. Um, Dan Quinn, before he got here, he was he was a cover three guy. He was a Seattle guy. It was it was zone, 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 zone. Right. A little bit from that perspective. I don't know if you want to call it a, more of a basketball like defense uh, where you, the old boxing one where you cover one guy. Uh, and then zone up everybody else. So he's doing some different things. I think that's one of the more interesting parts of this because Mike McCarthy in his conference call with us said the same thing about Jonathan Gannon, played totally different against Atlanta than San Francisco. Um, You got coordinators mixing stuff around. So both sides are, I think, kind of a little bit off balance on what to expect. John, one of the things I wanted to bring up, too, with this Dallas team was I, I think their running game is going to make a huge difference tonight, where it's Ezekiel Elliott, where it's Tony Pollard. And the Eagles have been okay at stopping the run the first two games. Uh, you know, if, if they are able to stop them, what are they going to have to do? Yeah, I'm always worried every week about the Eagles stopping the run because I look at the linebackers and they do a good job stopping the run. I'm gonna I'm gonna advocate Jonathan Gannon be a head coach right now. So if anyone around the league is is watching, granted it's a, it's a small sample size. I might live to regret that, but you know everybody was worried about San Francisco and San Francisco's running scheme and this and that and Kittle and and Juice and Usek and they have two extra blockers. Nobody else has tight ends who can block. Nobody else plays fullbacks. Uh, and 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 the zone scheme and Trent Williams. Uh, who was phenomenal, by the way, still. Uh, and the Eagles shut him down, running, uh, you know, with Alex Singleton and Eric Wilson and TJ Edwards. And I, I I, don't know. I still don't know if Eric Wilson can tackle Jody McDonald and Jeff Kerr. I would lean more towards no. Uh, but he somehow 
it's almost like a magician's trick, a sleight of hand. I, I, the front four is obviously good. Javon Hargrave is, it's been blowing up plays in the backfield. You know, that helps. Um, if, if guys get to the second level, I don't like the linebackers' chances, but they haven't been getting to the second level. It's been really impressive. All right, speaking of live to regret, if memory serves, John McMullen picked the Falcons week one over the Eagles and the 49ers week two over the Eagles. Are we for the third straight week picking the opposition against the Philadelphia Eagles, Johnny Mac? Yeah, I live to regret week one because I didn't realize how bad Atlanta was. And it's interesting. I didn't live to regret week two, but I should have because I thought the Eagles uh, outplayed San Francisco and, and should have won the game. But I'm a glutton for punishment. Uh, you know, I have to pick these games and I have to be consistent. So I, I did waver. I had to pick the Cowboys early last week. And then I started looking at what's going on in their defensive front. And I'm starting to waver. Because they just have nothing. I mean, nothing up front right now. Uh, I'm starting to waver, but I, I do think they'll score some points. And I, I just don't know if the Eagles can win a shootout. I've been saying it since the offseason. I, I don't know if they're capable of winning a shootout-type game. And I don't know. I just spoke the praises of, of, of Jonathan Gannon. If he can shut this team down... Then we're talking about something. John, one of the things I'm concerned about this game is if the Eagles lose, I shouldn't even say that. This may be the only winnable game they have until Detroit because all of a sudden Carolina looks pretty good and Vegas looks pretty good, and they got to go on the road to play that. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. We're all talking like Kansas City's going 17-0. and 0. Look, at this league is crazy, and, and you know, Tampa Bay looked awful mortal. Um, Sean Jackson's out there getting 75-yard touchdown. Again. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, they don't look good on paper, but it, this is the NFL, and w we see it every week. And, you know, San Francisco thinks uh, they get a big win and they leave, whatever, 37 <laughs> seconds on the clock. And, uh, it, it, it's over going the other, you got 66 yard field goal. People make 50 yard field goals. Like they're, they're candy now in this league. We got to do something about these kickers, man. I, I, I mean, 66 yards. I, I feel bad for the lines, even though that's the greatest kicker of all time. Um, this guy got job too, John. I don't know if you saw, but, uh, there should have been a delay of game penalty. That was not called. Yeah, well, the officials, we talk about that uh, all the time. They had a bad day as well. Certainly the pass interference. I mean, the pass interference calls, but there's nothing you can do. And that's another thing. I'll bring JG up, you know. Tell me the down the distance. There's nothing I can do about it. So when everybody hand rings, tell me the down the distance. That's all you can do. They're going to miss plays. There's nothing uh, you can do about it. And I, I've always taken that approach. Uh, but they'll win a game they're not supposed to win at some point. They'll probably lose a game they were supposed to win. They were supposed to win at some point. That's just the NFL. 
His down and distance is down in Dallas, pretty good distance away. But it'll be at the stadium tonight watching Eagles and Birds, and then be back with us tomorrow as a guest here on Birds 365. Jay Mack, we'll talk to you in the morning. Have a good time at the game tonight. All right. Thank you, guys. John McMullen here with us on Birds 365. All right. Last time out and come back. Need to put a bow on the show, including predictions from both Mr. Kern and myself here on Birds 365. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. When it comes to the fight against insurance companies, large corporations, and the healthcare industry, Injured victims are always the underdog, but that doesn't worry us. At Messon Associates, we're an injury law firm from Philadelphia, and we come to fight. Our clients know that they've got representation with a chip on its shoulder, and it's the same chip that makes Philly the toughest city in the country. Call 215-568-3500 or visit us online at messalaw.com. Messon Associates, the toughest injury firm in Philadelphia. We've given you a week plus of Cowboys Eagles preview. All right, last Monday we didn't talk much about Eagles Cowboys. We just picked apart the game from the previous day. Uh, but we turned our attention probably on Tuesday to the Cowboys that have been zeroing down and in on them ever since. And another day to do so because the game doesn't play till tonight. Monday night football, Eagles and Cowboys in Dallas. We've broken it down for you every way that we could possibly do so, except for prognostications. We got to get on the record 
if you've been listening, you knew that Johnny Mac was kind of leaning toward the Cowboys. We had Jeff on earlier in the week, and I don't know if you had tipped your hand then. Oh, I'm going to have to ask you to get on the record and state your opinion on tonight's game, Mr. Kerr. Eagles-Cowboys, how does it play out? I'm 2-0 making Eagles picks this year. I'm 5-0 this week. I'm hoping for my first L tonight because I'm picking the Cowboys. I just I, – I look, I look – I'm like McMullen. I do not like their defensive line. I think the Eagles are doing a really good job stopping the run. And for some reason, I think Mike McCarthy is going to go pass happy and give the Eagles a better shot to win than I think that they deserve. But – with that being said, I think it might be a shootout tonight, and I just don't know if the Eagles have the weapons to do that. Now, I will say this. I'm picking Dallas 24-20. I know it's not a shootout score, but I, I feel like that's going to be enough for them. I will say this, though. I've been wavering on this all week long, and I'll just stick with my guns on this, but, and I'm hoping I'm dead wrong because – there's a Cowboys worker that I work with at CBS that I would love to see him. Uh, I, I want to see the double whammy this week. I want to see the Phillies sweep the Braves because he's a Braves fan, and I want to see the Eagles beat the Cowboys just so he can say how terrible he has it as a fan of all the 90s teams I've won. All right. Um, you're truly also 2-0 with the Eagles. I picked them to beat the Falcons and lose last week to the 49ers. I actually took them plus the points. I thought it would be a close field goal game, so I did lose – on the line last week with the Eagles. Yeah, I'm going against the Eagles on both the outcome of the game and on the line. I think the Cowboys are going to put up 30 points tonight. Sorry, I think their offense does step out. And I think the Eagles have the chance to score. I think they got the chance to stay in the game except for one reason. Two words. Andre Dillard. Big problem. I think that Michael Parsons is going to work him on that side of the line. Would not be surprised if Jalen Hurts uh, gets sacked and gets hit and may even cough the ball up tonight. The Eagles have not generated a turnover yet this year, but they have also not turned the ball over themselves. Tipped pass up in the air. Dillard gets beat. Parsons gets his hands on it. Comes from behind, doesn't see him coming. Jalen can't hang on to the ball. I would not be surprised if uh, there is a turnover because of the pressure coming off the left side of the Eagles' offensive line. I think that could be the difference in this game. I'll say somewhere in the vicinity of 30 to 23. Uh, Cowboys probably walk away with a win. J.K. did a good job throwing it for Johnny Mac today. It's so good I'm inviting you back for tomorrow. You're going to be back here in 22 hours with me? I'll be back here. Hopefully, I'm in a really good mood tomorrow. So, you know, hopefully we're talking about a victory. But I don't know, Jody. We, we seem to be on the negative side today. May both Jeff Kerr and Jody McDonald be wrong 22 hours from now and come on here with our mea culpas after the Eagles score a victory. If not, we're going to be back here anyway. So we'll talk to you in 22 hours. Enjoy the game tonight. Don't forget the post-game show here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Don't even begin to turn us off. Hit that like button while you're at it. Especially if the Eagles win. If the Eagles win tomorrow, I want to see a hell of a lot more likes out of you guys watching this on the stream here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. For Jeff Kerr, I'm Jody McDonald. Appreciate you here on Birds 365. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. 
Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.